Uh, hi, and welcome to today's Dharma Things podcast with me, Ms. DeShannon. And this month's guest, um, we've got a lovely bite-sized conversation, hopefully a little bit of fun, uh, with the wonderful Adele Bridges. She, as our other guest, is going to be sharing a little bit about her journey, her experiences, her knowledge, and hopefully giving you some gems of her eclectic wisdom along the way. <laughs> and hopefully you can find some inspiration and some fun in this next 45 minutes or so. So hello, Adele. Hello. Thank you so <laughs> much for you? having me on your podcast. <laughs> it's quite all right. Um, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm, I'm feeling very happy, very positive but also very tired and very sweaty and hot because I am in London and it's okay. quite warm. Yeah, yeah. And it's hot and sunny and... It's gorgeous. It's, you know, I'm not complaining. Uh, <laughs> I, but I am literally sitting in, in my bikini at, <laughs> in at my desk. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Bikinis in London. Hmm. So in a nutshell, give me like your elevator pitch I am Adele and I <laughs> oh gosh I I really don't know what to say I mean I can I just steal what you said I liked the whole eclectic wisdom okay can I just can I just tell people I'm Adele Bridges and I have eclectic wisdom that's quite good yeah <laughs> I don't yeah. think I can say that with conviction though <laughs> I mean I love that that's how you introduced me but um uh well Eclectic, sure. Wise, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, Eclectic, definitely, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I suppose I'm primarily a yoga teacher and known for teaching yoga. Mm -hmm. uh, I, where to begin? I was born on the 21st of November. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> So you're a Scorpio. Uh, I am a Scorpio, yes. Nice. I have nothing to say about that. I have no knowledge of astrology at all. No, mine ends at the fact that I'm a Scorpio. Oh, that's, yeah. that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It's a Scorpion. I'm Sagittarius, which follows on after you, 5th of December. So that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But you are actually, you have dual nationality, don't you? I do. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, my dad's American. My mother's English. I was born in Mississippi, the deep south of the United States. Uh, but then when I was 19 years old, I moved to the UK mm -hmm. and uh, I much preferred it. So I stayed. Uh, now I'm living kind of part time in Florida and coming back to London whenever I can. Yeah. And you moved to Wales, didn't you? I lived in Wales for 12 years, yes. 12 years, wow. Mm -hmm. What did you think of Wales? Cumbrian Bev, I love Wales. Wales will always have a piece of my heart. Yeah. Um, it's, it's such a beautiful, magical country. Mm. The people are incredibly hospitable and friendly and down to earth. The history, the language is so rich. Um, I, I have very little bad to say about Wales. I love yeah. Wales so much. Yeah, it really is beautiful. I, I, when I was a kid, my mum used to take me on small little hosteling holidays and we would go to little hostels in Wales and explore mm. the hills and the lakes. And I've just got really lovely memories of Wales. Isn't yeah. there a line in the national anthem that's something about the green and pleasant land? Um, I don't know because I'm <laughs> that's pretty a, sure that's a bit of a tricky conversation. The, the Welsh national anthem is in Welsh. Okay, maybe I've got that and one. Okay. Yeah. And, and two years of night school learning um, Welsh for adults is not enough to understand no. the national anthem. <laughs> no. Well, I'm learning Danish or I'm about to start learning Danish because cool. I'm, if, if, if people listening hadn't noticed before, I am now in Copenhagen. And um, 
I was wondering whether learning Danish was going to be similar to learning Welsh because there's very tricky pronunciation in Danish. Well, Danish has similar origins to English, though, doesn't it? They're both Germanic languages. Apparently so. Yeah, but it, Welsh, uh, all the of the Celtic. Like, is in your throat. It, it, oh, yeah. Like we speak very English and Americans, we speak very up here in our mouth. Mm -hmm. And Danish is very in the throat. And there's lots yeah. of odd yeah words. maybe pronunciation wise it's it's similar to welsh then but i think grammar wise it's uh it's probably not too bad like welsh is just crazy it's like it, it's <laughs> nothing like english at all it's nothing like any of the germanic or romance languages no. it's yeah crazy so magical welsh language yeah 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 so what did you do after being in wales then well, I, so I found yoga mm -hmm. and started practicing yoga, fell in love with yoga, and then went to do my teacher training mm -hmm. all while I was living in Wales. But right. uh, the, I don't know, it was a, um, an alignment of several stars, shall we say, <laughs> a few different things kind of all happened at once. And it made sense for me to leave Wales and go start traveling around the world, which is what I always wanted to do. And I finally had the opportunity to do it. So after I left Wales, uh, I, I spent almost two years as a nomad, just traveling around the world with my suitcase with no address. Mm -hmm. um until until i got tired of that like literally yeah physically exhausted yeah. from constantly traveling uh, and then i settled in london yeah because you were a gymnast before turning to yoga weren't you you were a competitive gymnast well yes i mean there's quite a gap okay uh, i was i was I was a gymnast as a small child. I started when I was five years old, and then mm -hmm. I, I retired okay. <laughs> at uh, at twelve. Um, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't very good at the sport. I didn't go very far, but I loved it. Uh, yeah. And then after that, I mean, like I did a bit of cheerleading. I was on the swim team. Uh, I kind of stayed active through high school, but then went to university. Didn't do anything active mm -hmm. whatsoever. Um, and really until I got into yoga when I was like 28 or 29. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was like, oh yeah, I think I remember how to do this kind of movement. <laughs> <laughs> like it took a little while though, to get things like my back bends and my splits and definitely my handstand, all of those things. They took a good, I don't know, six months, year yeah. or so yeah. to get back. Yeah. I remember when we met in India, you were teaching us backbends. Yeah, that was your speciality of getting us all to do backbends and drop backs and things like that, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that was 2018. So that was the beginning of 2018. How long had you been traveling and living out of your suitcase at that point? Uh, so that, I think I probably would have been about a year into it at that wow. point. Yeah. Okay. And how was that, like just living out of a small bag consistently? Well, as I'm sure you can imagine, it was both incredibly adventurous and, and I mean, colorful is the word that comes to mind, just because I don't know, I feel like my memories of that time are just very colorful and, um, you know, every day was interesting and new and it was kind of full of a, you know unfamiliarity and um uncertainty so it was fun and exciting but on the flip side it was also very exhausting it was yeah. very lonely at times because mm. i did travel alone and sometimes i would spend just a week in a place Mm -hmm. Um, but even, I mean, and, you know, even if it was one week or, or two months in a place, like either way, it's not long enough to really, uh, build any sort of long 
I don't want to say long lasting, but um, yeah, it's hard to cultivate a, a deep, meaningful relationship. And even if you do, then you're saying goodbye to that person. So it was very lonely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm glad I did it, but yeah. just, I always tell people whenever they ask about it, that uh, it's not entirely glamorous or easy yeah. or, uh, yeah. And I mean, I, there were, I was hustling, you know, I was going anywhere I could get work. Mm -hmm. And when it, when there were weeks that I couldn't get work, that meant trying to find something that I could afford to stay at. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I slept in some pretty dingy places and uh, <laughs> really scrimped on food, um, all sorts of things. So, so yeah, yeah. learned a lot. Though. Yeah wonderful and 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 weird and colorful but also a little scary at times as well yeah yeah but you've got your own place now you've got your own place in florida i remember seeing you giving people on your instagram stories a tour around your new apartment and... i have i do i have an apartment oh. in florida I never thought I would say this, but I am a Floridian. <laughs> Honestly, never thought I'd say I'm a Florida resident, but there we go. Yeah, nice part of the world to be in, though. It's all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's not Wales. It's not Wales. Uh, my sister is there, so that's why I'm there. And it makes me very happy being able to see her every day. Yeah, your twin sister. Yeah, my identical twin. Yeah, I know. I love the things that you, when you're like, which one of us is doing this? And I'm like, I, I don't know, because you're <laughs> exactly the same. She has the same yeah. eyeliner, the same ponytail, everything. It's really hard when you do those things, which one of us is doing this? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to ask you as well, something that has been um, with you throughout whatever journey you've been on geographically, um, is your ADHD. Hmm. Now, the journey that you've been on around the world, living out of a suitcase, et cetera, et cetera, only just getting your own place back near your sister, it's hard enough for anyone to try and handle that. But how have you, as somebody who's got ADHD, uh, managed to kind of look after yourself through all these different processes? Well, I did not know I had ADHD until a few months ago. Okay. And so I, you know, I, I mean, I, I thought that probably like most people still do, when I thought of ADHD, I thought about like the naughty kid at school that couldn't sit still. But actually I've learned that it presents itself very differently in adults and especially in women. And... Uh, like, I think that my ADHD is part of the reason that I was always traveling around because, you know, it's, it's like, oh, what's the shiny new thing? What's the, what's the next, like, I'm, I'm done with this, um, or this is, this is, um, you know, too challenging for me now or whatever, like for whatever reason, like I am ready to just move on to the next thing. And so um, as somebody without an address and just a suitcase, that was often the, the next new thing was the next country that I could get to. Um, and so now knowing that I have ADHD and knowing that perhaps I need to, with that awareness of it and it helps me kind of mitigate it. And I might say, actually, Adele, hang on, just finish up what you're doing in this place with this project, with these people, before you just go and get distracted and go do something else. Okay. Is that what you were finding then that you were sort of a non-finisher kind of thing? You were drift, your attention was drifting before you'd finished stuff? Sometimes, because well, the, the, one of the things about ADHD is is that it's a it's a disorder in the ability to focus, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're always very distracted. Sometimes you get hyper focused, mm -hmm. and so 
in many ways it's worked for me because I so much enjoy what I do. But I, I mean, I have long been that person that just, just straight up apologizes to my friends. Like, I'm so sorry, I'm so flaky. Um, because, or, um, yeah, it's, and it's more, I suppose in my mind, I don't feel like I've just neglected projects that are half finished. Mm -hmm. I always intend to finish them. It's just more like, it's like piling on more and more and more projects. Cause it's like, okay, I, I am going to finish this. I promise. But, but I want to like, I want to learn about this thing. Yeah. First. Yeah. And yeah. I want to go and do this and I'm going to go and like learn from this person. And, and it's just like piling on more and more and more things. So my to-do list just gets longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was it that actually made you investigate? My twin sister, my twin sister was diagnosed okay. and I thought, well, she has the same DNA as me. <laughs> right. So yeah. is it possible that I have ADHD? And then when I started doing this course that I'm doing in neurology and learning more about the brain and learning about neurodiversity and how brains work differently I thought I kept thinking about well my you know Judith my twin she's ADHD and da 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 da, da. and so yeah. I yeah that's all yeah yeah okay yeah yeah and um your latest email I do read your emails that come out. Thank you. Thanks for actually reading <laughs> They're them. They're so motivational. These little little bits in it where it says, Miz, I know you're wonderful. And I'm like, oh, do you? Yeah. You know how wonderful I am. Oh, so for anyone listening, even if you just want a daily like ego boost, just or, or a little kind of hug, sign up to Adele's emails because they're just littered with this loveliness that's, you know good morning you amazing person this is what we're going to learn about today <laughs> Aww, thank you well I do I mean it whenever I say that I like I love I love being able to keep in touch with people however that is and um yeah I like I like having all my little pen pals the people mm. that respond to my emails and you know I I guess being somebody that's traveled around the world and not really settled for a long time, I've learned the importance of cultivating relationships anywhere and any way you can. And so mm -hmm. I, I mean it, like I, I do feel like my, the people on my mailing list, for example, are like my friends in a way. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, your latest one is about habit stacking. Mm -hmm. Now I've heard about this before and I, I am terrible at keeping routine and keeping habits. So maybe it is one of your emails that I should read again and take more note of. But how has that process of habit stacking helped you kind of organize your, like you were saying, you know, loading onto yourself? Mm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things looking back, I'm like, oh, that's, that's one way that I've managed, uh, you know, being an ADHD person is I I've for like at least 15 years had a very strict morning routine where you know nothing gets in the way of it and or you know if it does then I'm I'm going to be in a bad mood for the rest of the day um, and because I know how much I need it. And, and so, you know, it's like just little things. Like I wake up and I go and brush my teeth and splash water on my face and pee and um, do my gratitude journal and, and la-di-da-di-da. And so, but it, it's interesting. So just coming here to London, this change of, environment I'm you know staying in a friend's flat and so things aren't obviously things aren't where I would normally put them because I don't I'm not gonna like move all of his stuff <laughs> um and it just just that like just things being in a different place and me being in a slightly dif different environment there's been days where I'm like oh my gosh I forgot to do my gratitude journal and it's mm -hmm. and I think it's because I've just been kind of thrown off of that a little bit 
Um, and while, you know, in just the first few days that I'm here while I'm still kind of getting settled. So it's, it's very interesting how, how easy it can be to get knocked off of a routine. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that it does take that discipline and it takes a lot, it takes um, having a real, a, a real motivation or a real, a real desire for it. Like for me, like I said, I know that if I don't do like my little morning routine, then I'm going to feel gross and I'm not going to feel like I've like prepared myself mentally or physically mm-hmm. and and it's happened enough times that I, now I'm just, I don't even think about it. I'm just very strict about it, but um, yeah, it's, we are by nature kind of lazy, you know, our, our, our brains want us to conserve energy and mm-hmm. do everything that is as safe and easy and efficient as possible. And so it does take an element or maybe several elements of discipline sometimes um, just to kind of get started and then also maintain it and keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. And that's helped you a lot get through some of your kind of organizational obstacles then being a little more thorough. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, I didn't, I didn't actually explain what habit stacking is for anybody out there that doesn't know and is going, wait, you haven't explained what habit stacking is. <laughs> it's basically, so for example, uh, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I am going to have a cup of coffee in the morning because without that, I will not be a very pleasant person to be around. <laughs> and I like to have my showers in the morning as well. Wash off the, you know, the grossness of the night, go into my day feeling nice and clean and refreshed. So those are two things I know I'm going to do pretty much every morning. And so knowing that I also want to squeeze in a movement practice, some sort of yoga practice um, at some point in the day, I just tell myself, okay, after coffee, but before showering, I'm going to do my yoga practice. And so that's what I do. Um, And so, you know, it might be that when you're brushing your teeth at night, that's when you, um, I don't know, text your mother to tell her that you love her or, you know, whatever. Like if um, you you basically you take an existing habit that you know you're going to do every day and you kind of tag onto it a new habit that you want to create. Okay. So it's a little like learning to sort of multitask-ish. Yeah, it's not, yeah, not necessarily doing two things at once, but, um, but just letting like the, the habitual thing that you know you're going to do without having to think about it be the kind of reminder that, oh, this now this is when I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. But going back to your question, the, the, another thing that I realize that I do, and I, I didn't, no, it was a thing because it's just something that I've always done. But speaking to friends in the last like year or so, I've realized that some people don't do this. And I'm like, what? Um, but what's really helped me is I, I always have a plan when I go to bed at night, I always know what I'm going to do the next day. Obviously not minute by minute or anything, but I'll have a little bit of an idea of what I want to get done the following yeah. day. Yeah. I think that's perfectly normal. I do that. I don't know. I have yeah, my. I thought. Here. I mean, I thought like when, when I was first speaking to a friend about it, I was like, "Wait, so you go to bed at night and then you wake up the next morning and you have no idea what you're gonna do with yourself that day?" And she's that just like, me "Yeah, loopy. yeah, <laughs> yeah." So I basically need to find all of these things on my to-do list that I'm not particularly enamored with doing and slot them in between the more regular necessary things in my life. And then maybe I'll get them done on a more regular basis. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, can you give me an example of one of these things? Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking around the apartment now thinking of these things. Things like 
Yeah, doing my own my own yoga practice. I mean, sometimes I teach really early in the morning. So I pretty much get up at 5.30. I do my coffee routine. I'm the same as you, coffee, shower, you know. And sometimes I leave the house and this is where my routine, my morning routine or doing, you know, I did a philosophy course a while ago and we were being taught about having morning routines and meditation. As soon as I have to teach a 7 a.m. yoga class, it goes out of the window because I'm up at 5.30, coffee, shower, those two essential habits, maybe a little bit of movement to get the spine awake. Um, and then I go. So in terms of, slotting things in my days are very different and that is my excuse that some days I can't structure a morning routine because it mm. means to get up at 4am and I don't want to yeah well so one thing that um I've found that really helped me and it's become it's kind of become the foundation of my business um is that there there have been days when I'm 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 the same it's like you know I've got my coffee and then my shower thing and and I'm like if I'm gonna be on time I've got maybe 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and instead of thinking well 10 minutes that's that's not enough time to do a yoga practice I'm like well at least I've got 10 minutes is better than nothing Mm -hmm. and so I will do that and I mean if, if you practice in a certain way especially like maybe you know if you do want a like a kind of more intense workout you want to get something more out of it and I'm not talking so much about yoga and the connection I'm talking just physical workout get your muscles burning or whatever yeah you can you can totally kick your your own butt um in 10 minutes and sometimes I mean there's there's a a lot of research to say that certainly certain forms of exercise is better done in short bursts and short amounts of time so, um, so I found that giving up this idea that my practice has to be 30 or 45 or 60 minutes long and allowing myself to be okay with maybe only doing 10 minutes mm-hmm. really, really helped. And I mean, this could go for any task, you know, um, maybe, you know, you, you look at your emails and you're like, oh my gosh, I've got 50 unread emails. And you think that's going to take me two hours to get through yeah so you put it off but what if you say I'll just get through five emails and then at least that's five emails you've done you know and so I I don't I don't again I think you know we all have brains that work differently but I I have noticed in myself and in others sometimes you you know that you want to do something and you have you already have made up your mind how long it's going to take and how much energy it's going to take and you don't consider that you could actually just do a fraction of that Mm -hmm. so it's kind of I guess my friend and I were talking about this the other day this kind of all-encompassing idea of letting stuff go in order to let other stuff in so letting go of that idea that I have to have like you said a practice that is this way and this format and this duration of time in order to allow yourself just a little bit of that, which is better than nothing. Yeah, exactly. It's a really good thing that let things go in order to let other stuff in. Yep. Yeah. I like that. I guess brings me to what else I was going to talk to you about, the um, which we touched on before, the sheer amount of things that you do and that you're interested in and that you speak about. Um, <laughs> you're... I guess aesthetically, you're very much in this position of being, you know, the girl on Instagram that does these pretty shapes and the amazing back bends and stuff like that. But there's a huge depth of knowledge behind what you do. And I have substance. <laughs> <laughs> it's the eclectic wisdom. <laughs> but how. I know obviously it's important to you because you speak very honestly about the things that, like you said, that you're deeply interested in. But how important do you think that is to general yoga practice to have this really broad way of looking at things that isn't just encompassing the traditional aspects of yoga, um, the eight limbs of yoga, you know, all these guiding points, moral guidance, uh, personal guidance, etc.? 
Um, but also looking at all these other fantastic things, like you said, you're studying neurology at the moment. Um, you have your hypermobility project with Celeste Pereira. Mm -hmm. um, and you find that great. But how important would you say that is for everybody to look at, to have a broader perspective on what they're practicing? Well, hmm. It's, it's how, that's just kind of how I've always been and, and something that I've realized is part of being ADHD is just having a very kind of big picture view of everything. I've always been able to and, and, and enjoyed sort of zooming out and looking at the big picture. Um, and I find it very helpful as well. Like um, with anything, you know, how, how does this, instead of looking at how this is to just me and just right now what what does what is the meaningful level like the, the level of like meaningfulness um, <laughs> of this event in say all of human history to all humans on the planet or that kind of thing um, and and so seeing that bigger picture, it's always just kind of made sense to me to want to understand maybe, you know, I'm the phrase jack of all trades, master of none comes to mind. Um, maybe it's, it's a matter of um, lots of breadth, but not much depth uh, in terms of knowledge. And, you know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses and we're all different and that's, you know, that's what makes the, the world such a beautiful place. Um, and so for sure, there are people who are, you know, they just go very, very deep in one subject and the world needs people like that. Just as much as I think the world needs people who are able to kind of look at everything and maybe not have a, a, a yeah, like a PhD level of knowledge in mm. each of those subjects, but has a, a grasp on it enough that they can then link it to other things in life. And I mean, I always say stay curious because yeah. there's so much more that we don't know than what we do know. And I think that the problem that anybody can get into, no matter how your brain works, is to begin to let yourself assume that you have the answers or that you have you know got it all figured out or whatever the subject or the topic is that you are an expert on it or you, you know your opinion is right and everybody else's is wrong like because nobody nobody can claim that you know we there is so 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 much that we are completely ignorant of you know it's it's like that diagram there's like what what we know, we know, what we know, we don't know is like even, it's like mm -hmm. way bigger. And then what we don't know that we don't know is just, is like the rest yeah. of the iceberg, if you will. And, um, and I think you just have to remember that. And so for me, I think part of the, the beauty of life and one of the ways that I feel very privileged is just being able to keep learning about new things and constantly kind of linking it back to that big picture. How does this, how does this fit in with everything else that I've learned about that or everything else that I know? Um, I don't know if I answered your question at all. I feel like I I'm so. just kind of going off <laughs> I was going to lead on to actually um, a conversation that is really prevalent in the yoga world at the moment is this question of authenticity and I really wanted to speak to you about this um, because it seems to be received in very different ways depending on how um, people are sort of perceiving like what you do or like you said the specialisms or, or whatever um, you know, there, there are a lot of conversations at the moment around keeping yoga traditional, cultural appropriation, etc., recognizing the roots of yoga and all that kind of stuff. Um, have you ever, has, has anybody ever like really come at you about cultural appropriation? You know, you're this, you're, you're this, you're this lycra wearing gymnastic type, you know, yoga person and you very often do talk about the traditional aspects of yoga as well as neurology 
I did a course with you on Drishti, which of course is a very traditional aspect of yoga, but you linked that with the science. And has anyone ever spoken to you about you culturally appropriating? No, I, I don't think oh. <laughs> so. Having like, not really. I mean, I've had, I don't know, like some comments on my YouTube from like Indian men who have no idea who I am. And, you know, they've just found like some random video of mine on YouTube and, mm -hmm. and you know, being like, this isn't yoga or something. Um, but no, I haven't had a, any, I, nothing that I've really felt that I needed to answer about, but I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's an important conversation to have for sure, because, uh, because yeah, I think that it is entirely valid that we should remember the, the roots of yoga and we should respect that. I have a huge amount of respect for the, the traditions, um, the stories, the philosophy, um, especially that, you know, all of those, the centuries of, of wisdom that came out of India and, and Hinduism. And I think that if you are, if, if you're calling your practice yoga, and if you are calling yourself a yoga teacher, then yeah, I think that you should do your best to at least, you know, give, give those traditions a nod. Mm -hmm. um, to the best of your abilities and you know like i say stay curious keep learning never stop learning and and you know for every uh like i always try for every course or whatever that i do on something to do with anatomy or the physical body i try and match it with um uh, you know reading a book at least um like binging a podcast about something around the the philosophy or or something like that and um but but i think that on the other hand there's a problem when i mean the thing that human beings seem to be very very prone to want to do is have that kind of this or that mentality and, and it's the idea that you either have to be a super duper, very traditional yogi and only teach it the way that, that and I don't even know because this, this is where it gets really blurry because like what is traditional yoga? It yeah. has been developing yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and evolving, uh, you know, up until the, like, you know, the seventies and the eighties, it was, it, you know, it was still like so much of what we call traditional yoga was developed in the sixties and seventies. Like, mm -hmm. and, and so it's kind of like, so, it, but yeah, so whatever, like you, you either have to be like 100% like traditional, whatever that is, or you just don't call yourself yoga. Don't ever use the word yoga. Don't talk about, you know, asana and Sanskrit and, and just call yourself a fitness instructor. And it's like, mm. well, no, like it, nothing in the world is black or white. Everything is gray. And it's, it's, you know, it's not this or that it's this and that. And so you can bring in neurology and physiotherapy and whatever, you know, dance, I think, or, or whatever you want. I think that you can bring it in because it's just movement at the end of the day. What we're talking about is, is different ways that people choose to move their bodies, but you bring in the concepts of the traditional yoga of that mindfulness, the breath, the, the, the intention of union mm -hmm. to that movement to me. And, and I mean, the, I think the fact that the fact that so many people out there probably will disagree with me, I think, is beautiful and, and just and just uh, demonstrates um, the the complexity of yoga. And so, some people may disagree with me, but to me, it's it's yoga if you're bringing in those concepts of the the mindfulness and the the intention and you know the the connection to self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, breath. And if you look at the sort of traditional aspects that come from India, for instance, they're 
things like, I mean, if anyone listeners to my classes, we have lots of dance incorporated and sometimes mudras. Now mudras were used in Indian dance. It's not just something that's from yoga. You know, the gestures, the hand gestures are things that went through various aspects of, of Indian culture. So that isn't something that is purely yoga. It's something that was in Indian dance as well. There's Indian martial arts. And it isn't just in India and with the Hinduism, there are aspects of it that were Kemetic and yes. Buddhist as well. So I think it depends, and my understanding of it, it depends what kind of lineage of Hinduism you're reading about, because everybody talks well, about the, yeah. the Vedas and the Vedas weren't written in like a year. It was more like a half a century or no, a half a millennia, sorry, numerous centuries. So the, the cultures and the people and the tribes and the religious facets that are involved in these books that took hundreds of years to develop, it's fairly hard to just pinpoint your finger at one place and say, this is how this is. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, even saying like, it's, it's, it's even inaccurate to, you could argue, let's say that it's inaccurate to say that it comes from India necessarily because it's, you know, it's like India is like a political, boundary and you know cultures and practices they don't know political boundaries and also within India there are I mean it's India there's a billion people mm -hmm. and how many languages do they speak in India you know it's, it's, a, it's a, a wonderfully diverse place mm -hmm. and with with such a rich history and I mean, I think all of that is so wonderful and beautiful and I, I love it all. And I think, mm -hmm. I think let's embrace it all. But part of embracing that is recognizing that there are so many different stories that you could tell or that you could be told mm -hmm. um, that all kind of point back to a different sort of yoga tradition. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a really interesting book on this and I don't have it to hand at the moment, but it was a researcher from Oxford University, I think. Um, and I remember when I bought it that one of my friends back in England said, oh, some people have said that this is a little controversial. And I haven't read it yet. It's one of my many books that just sits on my bookshelf. Do you know what it's called? Intention. Um, can't remember what it's called. <laughs> Give me one second and I'll find it. Sorry, everyone, small interlude while I ran to my bookshelf. It's actually just called Roots of Yoga. Okay. And it's by James Mallinson and Mark Singleton. Oh, okay, yeah, I read Mark Singleton's other book. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I haven't read this. I've been told that um, because they are touching on, like we're saying, these different lineages that come from Tantric, Buddhism, Jain traditions, it's not just got this sort of Bhakti Hindu perspective. I've been told that this is actually a controversial piece of, uh, of writing. So I'm intrigued to dive into it really. Um, and maybe that can give us a broader understanding of where these things, these ideas of yoga come from, that it's not just about Hindu and Upanishads and, you know, I mean, Patanjali wrote the yoga, yoga sutras, didn't he? Of course. Um, but there have been um, archaeological findings that suggest that there was yoga practice even in Africa. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Was it in Egypt? That's the Kemetic yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish I knew more about mm -hmm. it. I've only heard 
I've only heard of it, but <laughs> But I wanted to ask, actually, we're getting quite deep into something that I hadn't written questions on that. Anyway, I have a list of questions that I'm supposed to be asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I wanted to ask is you, you're always posed these questions about yoga practice and the things that you teach and your courses and blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to ask a little bit more about you. Um, like you, who is Adele? Um, so some perfectly average run of the mill questions. What is your favorite food? Uh, I, oh gosh, I don't, I don't know because I mean, I have like favorite foods in all the different categories of food, but I couldn't, <laughs> I don't know, chocolate, I guess, coffee. Okay. Chocolate. <laughs> and what um, what music do you listen to? Because if you're anything like me, I I get my Spotify breakdown, my annual Spotify breakdown of what I've listened to, and it's completely taken over by yoga music. Because yeah, I play various plays. Yeah, I was classes. gonna say. <laughs> I'm expect an interesting answer from me if you ask me what my what like music I listen to or whatever because I just it's just yoga stuff that I would put in my yoga playlists but um if you could go I, to uh, a gig a music gig what would be your the 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 best band or musician or composer that you could go and see at a live okay. music gig 100% Adele and not because she has the same name <laughs> as me but just, I, I think I love her. I love yeah. her so much. I think she's awesome. Yeah. I'd love to see her live. Yeah, nice. And if you didn't have your wonderful, wonderful um, apartment in Florida, what is your favorite place in the world? Oh, I mean, it's not Florida. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> sorry, Florida. Um, I, I, I like, I like Florida, but it's not, uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, favorite place in the world. I mean, to live or to visit? Because Ooh. those are two different things. To visit. Okay, to visit 100% Sri Lanka, hands yeah. down. Mm -hmm. Sri Lanka, oh such a wonderful, magical place. And I would live there too, but it would have to be kind of like a, part-time like holiday home kind of thing. I um, I mean, I would happily live there year round, but I think I would, it's just very far from all my friends and family. Yeah. And you don't want to go there again. You like being near Judith. Well, I mean, in a perfect world, Judith would just come with me to Sri Lanka. <laughs> <laughs> and move your mom and dad there as well and everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just take over Sri Lanka not take over but uh, just you know kind of like make a little space for myself and have that would be amazing I could just like have all my friends and family with me in Sri Lanka oh, heaven <laughs> and I think this is my my closing question to pretty much everyone who comes onto the podcast what is and you've probably answered this already actually because we talked about your newsletters but what is your favorite thing about what you do and what you're bringing to the world? Hmm. I think I just feel very, very lucky that I, I mean, I'm told all the time, like by other people, apparently I work really hard, but I don't feel like I do because I love it so much. And I, I feel very lucky, very privileged and very grateful that I just get to share with people across various platforms and media, all of the things that I come across that I think are helpful for just being a little bit happier or stronger or healthier or more resilient. Um, and, and I, I think it's the best job in the world. It's not always easy. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody out there to think that it's all glamorous and easy peasy and that I'm living the high life. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my bank account at the end of the month, just like everybody else going, oh my goodness, 
<laughs> hope there's no more bills coming in, but, yeah. um, but I love it. Mm-hmm. So I feel very lucky. Lovely. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. <laughs> really um, fun. If anyone wants to find out what Adele is doing, you've actually, actually, you can say a little bit about this. You've got your fabulous new move with Adele. Yes. Yes. I have finally done like what everybody else, all the other yoga teachers are doing. (laughs) Uh, And I got a membership site so you can access via the web or there's an Android app or an Apple app. It's move with Adele and kind of going back to what, I was talking about before with like just squeezing in a 10 or 15 minute practice is, you know, can it became the basis of my business. And that is, that's the basis of this is like, there's um, once a week I upload a new flow, which is, yeah, usually between 10 and 15 minutes. Um, but it's very, they're very intricate and fun. So you, you know, you're not going to get bored with them very quickly because the idea is that you, you can keep coming back to them day after day throughout the week until another one is uploaded. Um, but there's also loads of other things on there, mini workshops, little workouts. I have guest speakers. Uh, there's loads and it's, it's super cheap. Um, about half the price of a single yoga class in most cities uh, for a whole month. And you can also trial it out for free for seven days. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Going in for the hard sell at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is the thing, just thinking about the price. Sorry, I was supposed to be closing. Never mind. I think this is what I've always found with your, your work is that you do keep it accessible. And like you said, you've got all this content available for what is half the price of, of what people would pay for a class. Mm. And everything that you do is super accessible. So whatever people want to learn about, whether it's learning to do a handstand or learning how to use your eyes to do splits, which was the amazing thing that we did, there's stuff on there that that is even financially accessible for people. So it's not like you're turning what you do into some kind of elitist members club. No, and I mean, well, maybe that's just like my poor business skills I don't know maybe some like business coach out there would be like you should charge more but I think it's it's because I know a lot of my followers are from countries that you know for them like five dollars or whatever is it's you know it's way more than like a cup of coffee uh like it is for us in the west um but also I have spent definitely the majority of my life, I've been one of those people where I'm like, okay, I don't have much money left in my bank account. I can either do this yoga class or I can, um, I don't know, buy this book, but I can't do both. So which is it going to be, you know? And, and I, you know, I, I've, I've had to choose between like, uh, okay, I could, I could just buy um, shampoo and not bother getting soap. And then that means I can afford to get some fruit or whatever, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've been, I've been like very financially insecure. So I think that's also part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Okay. We will cut off our bite-sized conversation right now. (laughs) So I hope everyone gets the chance to look into what Adele does. I can, honestly wholeheartedly having experienced her work um give it a massive thumbs up and if nothing else just sign up to the newsletters thank you so much (laughs) thank you very much Adele and thank you to everyone for listening um I'll do the usual social media waffle, like our page, our Instagram page, share things, send us comments, and don't hesitate to send me any questions. And we will see you next month. Goodbye.